This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Old Trafford falling down, more like getting demolished. City run out winners with a demolition derby win and it's two boyhood blues on the score sheet. It's Monday the 30th of October. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Alex Brotherton. I'm Joe Ritchie. And I'm Oliver Lowe. And this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome listeners to a brand new wonderful week, plenty of smiles on our faces and I can imagine plenty of smiles on yours too. It's, it's well it's two versus two, North Manchester versus the rest of the world today, two Presswich boys, a Stockfordian and a guy from America, it sounds a little bit like City Scorshi. Um, Joe, we'll start with you, how was your day, how was your weekend, how was the derby, I'm sure you enjoyed it over in the States. Yeah, it was great, I didn't... Um expect my day yesterday to be topped my wife threw me a surprise birthday party and uh fellow contributor john ashley made it and a bunch of my friends so that was great but uh today today was pretty special and uh i think it was best summed up by my wife basically saying like you didn't really react much today like united must be like pretty shit and i was like yeah that's pretty much a good way to put it so (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a 10 out of 10 weekend to be fair um alex i was certainly reacting um i we've spoke before uh last week on the preview show derby days always get to me but when you have a result like that it's the best day in the world Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I didn't react as much as I have in the past. You know, I had the mm. cat on my knee this this time, so I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> Is that a metaphor? Didn't wanna... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, yeah, it was. It, but I kind of agree with Joe. It was um, kind of just felt at times it was a bit, you know, 
kind of a, it, it, I wasn't that confident before the game. I never am, but at the same time, it was like didn't didn't feel like there was much jeopardy after the sort of after the first City goal. So um, so yeah, it was it was a great result, and but not not anywhere near the most stress inducing derby, was it? No, no, not at all in terms of the actual outcome. But it for me, it always felt like there was a. It felt for me as if there would be a moment where a City mistake sort of let everything tumble down. Obviously, Ollie, that didn't happen. A massive City win, three no winners. Let's get into the result then. Um, we spoke, didn't we, on Wednesday or Thursday on on the show about the young boys' victory. We wanted to see how City would react after a massive week in Europe. You know, a tough game, astroturf pitch, etc. I'm not sure. Had we said, had we offered this performance um, after the Young Boys game, anybody would have turned it down. It was it was masterful at times. No, it was fantastic. I think Bernardo Silva said um, just after the game that this was the type of performance that he wanted to see against Arsenal, and he felt like things that didn't click in that game clicked today. And and um, I think today was a real statement and and probably a real confidence boost for us. We looked ourselves we kind of looked like last season's Manchester City for the first time I'd say this season especially in a a game obviously as important as the derby we really ramped up that intensity and and we were playing fluid football the way that Manchester Manchester City uh, tend to do and thankfully for all of us it was it was against those those terrible terrible rags yeah Joe it felt like the sort of result and performance City of Oge United for a while um I think back to obviously last year was the VAR controversy and the performance wasn't great and I'm not sure City actually deserved to win that game obviously going back a, a year or two before we've had 2-0 wins I remember 21-22 when City dominated from minute one and, and truly battered United but only had a 2-0 scoreline when that third goal goes in you're looking at it going the performance was spot on and the scoreline reflects that as well. And I think that's, for me, probably the most positive takeaway from that game. Yeah, agreed. And I, I was looking back, you know, before we hopped on the podcast, just kind of reviewing, you know, performances, stats, all that. And I was like, I don't think you could pick a player really in City's eleven or including the two substitutes, despite how brief their cameos were, that had anything below a 7 out of 10 performance. I mean, it's as as comprehensive of a victory as you're going to see. And I think that third goal in particular, you know, without diving too far ahead, it just felt like the true dagger into what has been, you know, dominance for a long, long time. But, you know, United were falling apart at that point. Um, Just no effort, like off the ball. I mean, they were talking about on the American broadcast, just players just weren't moving. Like Harry Maguire would get the ball out of, uh, out of the back and just, sit there and he's have no one to pass to because no one would move around, right? So they just, uh, a pathetic performance from United and I think just, again, a well-driven, well-disciplined performance from City is really the best way you can put it. Pathetic is a, is a wonderful adjective to, to describe United's performance. In fact, Footmob, you speak about plays over seven. Footmob have given just one outfield United player a rating over seven and, fully enough, no City player below seven. Um, there was a moment in the first half, though, Alex, I felt like perhaps maybe we were going down a different path. Gvardiol started out a bit shaky. Grealish gave the ball away. That led to a counter-attack. Foden, obviously, um, such he is a, a fantastic creator, slips Hoyland in, um, the wrong Scandinavian striker. But bar those, I'd say, sort of 15, 20-minute spells at the start of the game, I thought every single player, as Joe mentions, was wonderful. Um, and, and let's go back to the team selection at about, what would it have been, 2.30pm UK time. A lot of controversy surrounding Grealish, Doc, who has always has been the, the 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 conversation this season. But 
Guardiola more than vindicated with that team selection. The, the link up between Bernardo Silva and Jack Grealish throughout the majority, if not all, of the game was was spellbinding. It was wonderful to watch. Yeah, I think that's you know easily uh, Grealish's best performance of the season so far. Um, probably one of his best in a City shirt. Um, and yeah, and I think it's it's always tricky to know. You know, you can get sort of lost in this sort of social media echo chamber, and from Twitter, it kind of looked like. It looks like a lot of City fans are kind of on Team Doku, I guess, like to start most games over Grealish. But don't know if that's you know the away from social media. I don't know if that's the case. But I was I was quite happy to see him start. Um, I thought he just sort of would offer that a little bit more control, um, maybe a bit less. I know we gave one ball away, which led to a counter. But you'd probably say he's less likely than Doku to sort of you know, give it away on the wing and um, that's the last thing you want to do against United, sort of let them turn it into a basketball match. But but then it was actually his attacking contribution, which was probably even more impressive than the sort of the usual basic sort of keeping the ball and keeping things tidy. Um, as you say, he linked up so well with Bernardo. Um, they were really put um, Diego, Diogo Dallo in like really tough situations on that wing. Um, obviously, there was that connection for the for Haaland's goal, I think, where Grealish slipped in... Uh, slipped in Bernardo and he chipped it to the back post um, so yeah really really top performance and yeah I think that's that is kind of I mean I, I love Grealish anyway and I think he, he gets treated far too harshly but what he did offensively today is what I think a lot of City fans want to see him do more and obviously it depends on the game the game state what, what Guardiola's asked him to do he's not always going to be that sort of creative and direct but yeah I think every facet of his game today was was superb and I think he's one of many City players that could have got the player of the match I know Bernardo got it in the end but um but yeah he was he was brilliant it's funny you mentioned possibly Grealish's best ever performance in a City shirt because obviously that doesn't render any goals and assists which has been the sort of the the, the tag against him but it, it seems fitting in a sense that he is so he was so wonderful in that game yet somebody who didn't necessarily see the game and will only see the results sees Jack Grealish doesn't contribute a goal or assist and goes oh well you know he's useless blah 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 but it's far from it I mean Doku's been wonderful and, and it isn't a criticism of either um, I think you know Doku could have probably come on 10-15 minutes earlier and we could have been looking at a 7 nil scoreline such is the way he plays football um but just quickly then Oliver because we spoke about Jack Grealish again you and I after the young boys game saying you know did he do enough to get into that team um for the weekend and we said yes it's one thing doing it against young boys doing it against United is a different thing however the, the difference in quality probably isn't as big as we might have thought um but I think it was it was telling wasn't it the fact that a lot of people have been asking him to take on his winger even though that's not the kind of player he, he ever has been even at Villa but he did look a lot more direct against United and and it was to City's benefit. Yeah, 100%. I said after the game against Young Boys that I'd start Jack Grealish at the weekend over Doku. Um, I, I kind of said that due to the performance, due to the creativity that he gave in that game against Young Boys, going into the weekend, he, he for the first time this season, is maybe starting to get to put together a few consistent performances. And he did cut inside a lot more. And he did have a couple of shots, a couple of snapshots, which you might kind of think, again, you know, they don't reflect on the stats. But there was... Uh, within a space of about five minutes he had a snapshot um, and then the, the very next time that he went to do that exact same snapshot two players then ran with Bernardo Silva mm. on the overlap you know whether or not he scores a goal it just gives them something else to worry about which then frees Bernardo Silva up for the overlap and he's he's trusted by Pep which is the main thing Doku is very raw still and I'm sure he will come good in a lot of those big 
game performances. But for now, I think Jack Grealish was the right choice and, and Pep Guardiola was 100% vindicated for that decision. And I think just to add to that, I mean, I think it was more prominent in the first half, but we did see it a bit in the second half. It felt like this was Jack's most minutes spent in central midfield in a game that I can remember. It felt like him and Bernardo were very interchangeable. And I know that that's kind of the city team in a nutshell, right? It's a very fluid side. But I mean, for the first 20, 30 minutes in particular, it truly was Bernardo at left wing, Jack in that eight role. And, um, you know, I know we've talked about it. Plenty of fans have talked about, you know, is that a role that Jack could or should play? you know, in Pep City. And um, for me, I mean, again, I think we're pretty much out of point of positionless football under Pep. But um, I thought that that interchange and those two players in particular were just so crucial to breaking down, you know, United's quote unquote defense, if you want to call it that. Um, mm. And, you know, I think it's one of those we that 11 as a whole just looked very like well blended. It looked like a good balance of attack and defense control in midfield. But to me, it really, again, starts with Jack and Bernardo's partnership, being able to move around the pitch, keep the ball, pass the ball. Um, and that's something that I'd look to see, you know, especially in these big games coming up, you know, that would be my preferred left side just based on what we saw today. Joe, I'll stick with you quickly. Is that City's best attack? Do you think, you know, we're, we're in the sort of stage of the season where we rarely see an unchanged 11, but do you think, because I'll sort of look ahead, we've got a couple of big games coming up, um, both in Europe and in the Premier League, sort of either side of the next international break. I think the next one, well, obviously it's Bournemouth next week, and I think the next bigger game is Chelsea away. Is that kind of the sort of front four, front five you want to see going forward, do you think? Yeah, I think it's City's most balanced front five, six, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he, I mean... Even if Kev comes back, I think on pure balance, that this is still probably your best front five. Um, it might not be your best in terms of overall, you know, lethalness and chance creation. You probably want Kev in there. But like I said, with, with the left side of Bernardo and, and Jack and the right side of Foden and um, Alvarez and, and to a lesser extent, Holland and Walker, it just it feels like those players work really well together. Um, and again, that's not a knock on Doku. It's not a knock on Kovacic, you know, whoever you want to pick. It just feels like that is the right 11 that you can play against a, a side that's sitting behind the ball. You can play against a side that's going to be a little more free-flowing like a Brighton. And um, I just think that they can mm. slow the game down and they can also pick it up on the counter if need be. Obviously, Alex, another one of the talking points from this season has been about creativity. And, and again, the caveat is the fact City were playing against Harry Maguire and uh, Johnny Evans with Lindelof. Uh, was it left back in the end? I can't remember. But they created 21 shots. They had close to four expected goals, obviously scored three goals, big chances. Footmob is telling me it's seven. Um, you know, it was it was wonderful. It was fluid. It was electric. Was it a case of the defence of United being that shambolic that City were, were allowed so much space? There were spells in the game, I remember, where Harry Maguire, Johnny Evans, whoever would, would clear it and it'd fall straight to Rodri and it'd be like a training drill. It'd be like when we used to play football, attack versus defence, the defenders clear it, you go again. Was it a case of the, the defence being that poor or is the genuine sort of positivity for City to take forward and go, yes, that is the attack that needs to be started in those bigger games against the bigger teams? Um, I think it was a bit of both. I don't think that was the worst. I mean, the bar is pretty low, isn't it? But I don't think that's the worst defensive performance we've seen from United in a derby in the last few years. Um, yes, it was a bit sort of hoof it away and hope 
from uh, from Maguire and Evans at times, but I thought City were just really good. Um, it's sort of recycling the ball, and and you mentioned Rodri there. He was at his absolute best. Um, you know, just sort of playing those little diagonals. That that diagonal to Walker. Uh, I think when it was nil nil, and he mm. headed it, and uh, Foden's header was superbly saved by Onana. Um, yeah, just creating chances, exploiting the space that United left. I don't think, yeah, I think United's defence wasn't good, but then I feel some of that is a tactical thing from Ten Hag. He didn't seem to come up with a way of kind of, you know, um, uh, counteracting the kind of the overload City were creating. It, well, on the I'll, I'll just jump um, in there, Alex, because I, for my money anyway, I thought City should have been two or three goals up at, at half time, but I didn't think it was wonderful from City. Ten Hag then takes Amrabat off, who is there. Back up holding midfield, but obviously in, in the absence of Casemiro was starting this game. And then in the second half, it was a complete basket case of a performance from United. So, you know, it, it, it felt like they did kind of have a way of stifling it, albeit not very good. But then you take away the defensive-minded midfielder replaced with Mason Mount, who I think is a functional midfielder and, and gets a bit of stick um, unnecessarily, but he isn't going to be the guy breaking up play. It, it just felt like for City, it was like, OK, come at us again. And I, I don't know what the thinking was there. I'm sure United fans will be furious, but it was... It it was peculiar, I thought, that move. Yeah, I mean, you can only assume that Amrabat's picked up some sort of injury. I know I know, he was mm. on a yellow card, but I don't think Ten Hag would have taken him off just because of that, um, unless he'd completely lost his head. But um, yeah, it was a bit bizarre with McTominay sort of dipping into the into the six at times. <laughs> and, you know, he's not that guy either, is he? So no. it's, um, yeah, it was a bit baffling, but obviously it helped City along. And yeah, I think it was just... Um, I don't know, I don't, I've never really, so in the last few weeks, I know quite a few City fans have been concerned about a perceived lack of creativity. I've mm. not really been in the same same camp. It's not been the sort of fluid best that we you know we love to see from City, but I think today was just a great step in the right direction. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's going to continue like this, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, certainly. Um, it, it felt like, Oli, final point before we get to the break, and then obviously, as, as has always been the case this season, it feels like we'll speak about Haaland in part two. Uh, maybe he should get his own segment on the show because it seems to come in part two all the time. But just sort of kind of rounding off the result in general, was that a, a game City sort of, or sorry, a performance and a result City needed, do you think? Obviously, by our lofty standards, there has been a kind of drop off, although I'm not sure we can call it that. But had City not won here today, you're looking at a points gap of five, maybe four to Tottenham Hotspur at the top of the league table. Obviously, that's easy for City to drag back in in the final 10 games of the season, let alone the final 25. But do you just think, like, considering the way the season's gone, a lot of the talk, etc., etc., and I don't know that it, to me, it looked like the way the, the players celebrated it felt like they. Sort of kind of were feeling the same as well. Do you, do, does it was was it a confidence boost that you needed? I think more for the confidence of the players and their sort of spirit going into you know this sort of run up into the Christmas period. As you spoke about, there was a lot of emotion within within the group. When you look at the celebrations after the goal, mm. it kind of felt like there was I don't know I don't want to say a weight off their shoulders, but it kind of just felt like it was very well timed. Yeah, and I feel like. To me, the importance of the victory, besides the fact that it's beating United at Old Trafford, is, the, again, and I kind of touched upon it earlier, was the overall performance from each individual player. You can take a positive from each individual player, right? Vardiol's kind of been in and out of the side. I thought he made a couple of mistakes here and there, but overall, a solid 90 minutes. John Stone's working his way back into fitness. It was a vintage John Stone's performance. Um, Bernardo and Jack, we've talked about them. Holland, I mean, 
two goals are great. I mean, that's kind of the the norm now for him, but working his way back into quote-unquote form, I thought that assist for Phil was probably his most impressive um, involvement in the game. I think he's just becoming, and this is what I've talked about really all season, is he needs to hit that next level of just being a more well-rounded player, getting more involved in the game, and um, I think we're seeing it defensively. I think he's dropping deeper. I think he's now creating for his teammates, and um, you know, it's one of those games where we're not even really talking about Rodri and he put in another nine out of 10 performance. We're not talking about Kyle Walker, who for my money was absolutely brilliant. We're not talking about Ederson who made a few key saves despite, you know, United not being that lethal. So again, you walk away from a match with you're not, your 11 starters being great. I thought Doku and Kovacic off the bench were showing signs of impact that, you know, if in the match against Bournemouth they come on, I'm not going to have any concerns. So it's one of those comprehensive victories that just leaves you, I, I imagine, as a manager, absolutely thrilled. Yeah, and it looked like Guardiola was was absolutely thrilled at full time, obviously going over to that corner and celebrating with the City fans and, and Kyle Walker. You know, you're right to bring him up. We've, we've not got probably time in this show to have a full conversation about him, but it feels like he's, he's turning back the years. I, I was one of those people who in the summer was like, okay, maybe Kyle Walker leaving wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, obviously refreshing that, that squad, bringing down the average age of the team a little a bit but obviously he he's, he stepped it up this year which is is to City's benefit um, okay that'll do for part one join us in a moment as we continue the chat and continue the review from the 3-0 win at Old Trafford away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season and the same goes for McDelivery maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Um, Alex, Erling Haaland then, he's continuing to sort of set the world alight, let's say. He's got another two goals there. I think that's 11 for the season so far. Not bad for a player who's clearly performing below his lofty standards, is it? Yeah, I think he was I think he was a one-season wonder, to be mm, honest. Yeah, um, he's, he's definitely in that second-year syndrome. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it has been some someone a non City fan was asking me about this the other day, um, just sort of like what's what's going on with Haaland at the minute. I was like, well, you know, he's still the top scorer in the league. Um, he's had a few games where, you know, there's there's always there was games last season maybe a couple where City didn't create much rim for him and he barely touched the ball. And there's been a few this season where he's just had a few chances and not taken them. But then you know to score that that second goal he scored at, um, in Switzerland in the week. And then, yeah, and then the, the goal, the two finishes today, but obviously the penalty. Um, and in that second header, obviously to get that one past Onana after the, the sort of the disappointment of the, the one that was saved just before half time. Um, yeah, he doesn't really look like he's lacking confidence, does he? So I, I don't really know what you put his sort of supposed struggles so far this season down to. Maybe just bad luck from not finishing the chances, maybe 
slightly overthinking things. I don't know, but doesn't seem to be lacking confidence, does he? Because you know, to to bury a penalty at, at Old Trafford in the derby, and then to um, to score that goal, and yeah, just um, really good performance for him, and uh, yeah, proving that you don't have to you know get involved in everything. I know there's this. Um, it's kind of a it's become a thing now where people pundits say, "Oh, he's a striker that doesn't want to get involved, and he just needs to finish the chances." But you know, he does both. And today, I think it was first fifteen twenty minutes he didn't really get involved that much, but then he did. He started to drop a bit deeper, and he finishes his chances. So yeah, great performance. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing for Haaland is that he just continues to cause issues for the opposition. And you know, there have been games this season where. You know, people will say he blanked because he's missed a few um, decent chances. But the biggest thing is between all of this sort of goal scoring form is that he's, he's he's just a constant threat. He is he is you know one of the if not the biggest attacking threat in world football. And I'm sure we can find if we really went into it examples of defenders doubling up on him that have created goals for City this season. And that that's his job within within the Manchester City team. Um, I really just don't feel like Pep Guardiola would be playing him week in, week out if it wasn't the case. I just, you know, and, and between all of that, he is still hitting form, especially now in the past couple games. I think young boys the other day, I I, I almost actually kind of enjoy the games where Erling Haaland struggles and then still scores because it just shows like that, that real class and resilience. I know it sounds weird to say, but the, the games where he's free flowing, it's fantastic. It's beautiful. But the games where sometimes he misses a couple of chances and, you know, he scores that second half header after missing the first, he's, he's such a resilient character. And that's what I just think makes him so important to City. Yeah. I, I want to touch on the penalty decision. It's a bit of a, you know, the, the, uh, chronology is a bit mixed up for me today and I'm going to sort of jump from point to point to point and I'm going to touch on the penalty decision on a general conversation about the referee in, in a moment. So I'll fast forward to that second goal, Joe, because I, we, we had a discussion at halftime in the in the chat about people sort of saying, you know, we should have scored it, it was a great save for Anana, some people in the middle. I mean, the truth is it's probably a bit of both. He, he should have done better. For my money, I think it's it's more of a good save than it is a bad miss. He goes across the goalkeeper and that's kind of what you're told as a striker he's shrugging off a defender at the same time at the same time he's off balance you know he did well to get there a lot of strikers wouldn't but the mentality more than anything is what's impressed me for that second goal because he's come back he's obviously gone into half time I felt and I know professional athletes probably don't feel the same way or have the same thoughts as I do but I felt that could be a game-changing moment Anana keeps United in the game they come out in the second half like they did last season go and get a quick five goal and suddenly it's tipped on its head but identical kind of you know opposite side but still got to do the same sort of thing and the delicacy to just dink it over the goalkeeper I mean I've seen chipped finishes I don't think I've ever seen a chipped header it was another example of of his class in that area of the pitch and why unlike other players he only has 10 passes a game he only has 25 touches he's not necessarily involved in the build-up play etc etc no because he scores chances like that well, and it's funny because you said it's another example of his class, which I agree with, but it is another example of how his games continue to evolve because his time at Dortmund, you know, everyone looks at him as this big, you know, six foot three, massive Norwegian. Right? The heading part of his game wasn't really a big component at Dortmund and even before that at Salzburg. He was typically scoring every other type of goal, but oddly not a lot of headers statistically. And it feels like since he's come to City, that's been, um, there's been a lot of opportunities for that. And I think we've seen, especially at the beginning of last season, he was trying like, 
half volleys, like anything to just not put his head against it. And I think that's a little bit of what we saw in the first half. But to your point, um, and I think this is really what's so great about this team under Pep is that they learn from mistakes. They find new ways to improve. And um, he wasn't going to make that same mistake twice. And like, uh, you know, that just a little bit of a, uh, I forget what Pep called it, uh, dinky dinky or whatever the hell he calls it, the, with, <laughs> yeah. the weird chip. So um, no, I mean, I thought it was a great goal. And um, again, to, to come back, yes, he got the penalty, penalty, but to come back from that initial missed header um, and with, with two more goal contributions, again, it just speaks to the mentality of the squad. And obviously, Alex, another one of those contributions being an assist. And I was looking at it. Obviously, Rodri had the shot, another decent save for Anana, who was, um, he's been criticised this season, but he was comfortably United's best player. And I guess when you you have 27 shots against you, you're going you're gonna to save a few. But it would have been very easy, wouldn't it, for a, a, another striker, and I actually thought he would have done, just hit it first time. He's on a hat trick. Yes, people will say, you know, oh, it doesn't mean anything. He's got a couple of goals. He should be doing better, etc. And he, and he kind of did. But it would have been easy for a striker of his quality just to try and lever that and, and score a goal because that's in his nature. But to have the composure there to take a touch, have a look up, and then put it on a plate for his teammate, Phil, Fo- Phil Foden, who was wonderful again. Um, another coming-of-age performance, it feels like. Again, sort of, that's what impressed me most about his game. His finishing was great. His penalty, you know, it's more of a mentality thing I feel like anybody at a professional level can hit the ball well and, and score from 12 yards when there's no pressure surrounding you so that's great but just that sort of that intelligence which I think some people I think Joe's probably included right in saying this want to see a little bit more of and and he's famous he's good for an assist against United isn't he obviously got a couple last year and um, turning Old Trafford into his playground this time around yeah I mean obviously when the ball sort of uh, when Onana made the save it you kind of thought, oh, he's going to hit it here on his right. But um, yeah, I think it's easy to, because Parland is so lethal in front of goal, it's 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 easy just to sort of label him with the, the striker stereotype of, oh, he's a, he's a selfish striker and that's how strikers should be. But, you know, he's, he, he has shown since he's joined City that he is a really sort of, he is a team player. Um, sometimes he, he just appears he's selfish because he plays up front, doesn't always touch the ball a lot, gets put from one goal, takes the chance. But, you know, he never shies away from trying to share share the love with his teammates and someone's in a better position like Foden was. And it's a really good pass. Like And to see that in that heat of the moment where it's like a lot of strikers, they'll see that the goal is sort of unguarded and it's like, oh, I better take this chance quick. But to actually have the, as you said, the presence of mind to see that Foden was in a better position like just a complete tap in if he gets it to out Foden and yeah really good composure to actually pull that off and technique and the awareness as well so really impressive and um, yeah I mean I've no doubt we'll see more of that from him on Ballon d'Or weekend as well there's a statement Mr Messi are you watching um, enough of that maybe some some later later better comments in the week because we all know what's going to happen with that one um, the penalty then I it's weird because I look at it and I go yes it's soft but it's also something that for ages I've been banging on why does some get penalised and others don't and I guess sort of realistically speaking you can't hand out 40 penalties a game for people holding onto shirts it's just not you know it's a part of football granted there does have to be a threshold and I 
probably think it is a penalty and that maybe is a little bit of bias seeping in but I don't know if you can do that sort of thing and it go unpunished that's the sort of conclusion I got to um, Ali are you, are you similar do you think that it should have been a penalty obviously the lesser scene stopping the game when it's in play to go to the monitor and see it which is an interesting quirk of VAR but it did feel like possibly the right decision was made much to Gary Neville's annoyance it has to be said like incidents always look worse in slow motion which is obviously how they assess and I get why they use that tool to be able to see what's going on. It does look more malicious in slow motion. It's always going to. I think Gary Neville, and I, I really I really don't like to side with Gary Neville when it comes to, to football and opinions, generally speaking, but he did say it would be interesting to see it back in, in real time. And I think Sky showed that once. And when I did watch it in... in Real time, I did kind of think that's probably soft. I'm not going to complain because, to be honest, I think after the past five, three, four, five years at Old Trafford, we've been due a decision like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was strong enough for me to say it was a definite penalty, to okay. be honest. It, it's ironic to me that of all the fouls that United have committed against City over the years that, to me, have been surefire penalties, this is the one that gets given. Um <laughs> I, I, in the same game as well, I this, felt like Harlan yeah. got dragged down and probably had a better shell for a penalty later on in the match. Well, and that's what I was going to say was like, one, I feel like these types of fouls or pullbacks happen. I mean, any anytime you put a cross into the box, there's roughhousing going on. I think that, yes, Rodri was pulled, but to me, and there's kind of a similar um, roll call in the NFL and American football where like, if you pull a man back, but he's nowhere near catching the ball, they're not going to throw the flag. Like to me... I didn't think Rodri was going to get to that, even if Holland didn't hold him back. So I, I'm kind of with, you know, Ollie and, and I think some people that it didn't feel like a, a clear penalty to me or a clear and obvious error as VAR would deem it necessary to be. Um, and and again, I just, for some reason, Laporte comes to mind. I feel like he got held back so many times in his City career in these similar situations. I don't think, I couldn't tell you a time that this call's ever gone in City's favor of a foul in the box or being held back. Um, and for this to be the one, it just it felt a little odd. Um, obviously, big picture, it didn't matter because City were going to win that game regardless. But um, just a, a very odd decision. And like you said, Amos, for it to be called mid-match or you know, while the ball's in play was bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is certainly one maybe later on in the week we can pick through it a little bit more. But... Um... Uh, yeah, weird one. I, I I still think it probably is a penalty, um, but uh, everyone's going to have their own opinion on it. Whether or not City go on and win the game, I think it's possibly a different conversation because I think just before that, the Foden header and the Haaland sort of rebound mischance had happened and it felt like City had a lot of pressure and that it just sort of been alle- alleviated immediately. But yeah, it certainly was one to speak about. Um, finally then, Alex, let, let's sort of just in the last five minutes of the game, things got a little bit unruly um, obviously Anthony came on and, and tried to slash out at Doku Bruno Fernandes another player who by the way how on earth Bruno Fernandes is Manchester United captain I think it's a disgrace to the football club because it, he's an embarrassment he's a detestable footballer and I have no idea who behind the scenes has decided to hand him the armband I mean people can moan at Harry Maguire and he certainly has his deficiencies but one thing he isn't is a is a, is a nasty person or at least on the football pitch um, he's a professional and, and <laughs> I just the way he was going after players in that sort of final 10 minutes it, it, it was a surefire red card if ever I've seen one I'm not quite sure what Paul Turney 
was thinking to sort of was the threshold to book a player in that game. Anthony should have been sent off quite comfortably in the end. And I'm not I'm not sure how it just went to a yellow card. Bruno Fernandez, I think, committed two yellow card offences in one move, which is impressive. But yeah, it it, it didn't sour things at all. It was actually fucking hilarious, if I'm being honest. But it just made things a little bit, a bit, a bit nasty at the end. And, and yeah, it was it was great to see from my point of view. Let them losing the heads and getting battered. Yeah, I mean, it just sort of showed the levels, really, didn't it? Um, yeah, Doku comes on and he's just sort of yeah, just trying to wind the clock down, and Anthony's there just trying to hack his legs, and yeah, it was just. They're just a mess, aren't they? I mean, it's kind of, that's all they could really do towards the end. They no hope of getting a result. And then, and I, I just didn't understand why Anthony, well, I, I can understand why he's so angry. He's obviously not happy with his playing time and the sky cameras cut to him a few times during the match and he was shaking his head on the bench and then he comes on and he just releases all that anger by trying to, um, trying to, trying to, uh, yeah, just trying to take City players out. So, yeah, could the only way it could have been better, I said in in the group chat, but was if uh, Doku got a got a chance to whip out the grid. That, <laughs> that would have been, been incredible. That would have been, been incredible. He should have done it. He should have done it when when Anthony tried to tried to break his leg. He should have done it then. I don't take the card for like taunting the opposition, whatever. Yeah. But um, I don't know how he got booked for that anyway. I think did he get booked? Yeah, he got he got a yell. Yeah, did, doesn't it like perfectly embody the Ten Hag era that that's his record signing too? Like. Just an absolute, like, pathetic, uh, you know, player and human being. And uh, I love every second of it. I know. And, and I mean, uh, given his off-pitch claims and investigations, all I'm saying is if you're, if you're a lawyer and you're looking at the character profile, you've you probably got a bit to work with there. Um, Ollie, United players losing their heads in a 3-0 defeat. Beautiful stuff. Yeah, I think you, you a second ago said that you don't understand how... Bruno Fernandes is the United captain. I I genuinely can't think of a better captain for Manchester United because I think he embodies he embodies their club. He embodies what they are, which is you know just just angry, petty. Like it, it, he's a perfect representation of Manchester United in the past ten years. He thinks that he's owed something. He thinks that he's more special than than he is. That is that's Manchester United personified into a person. And- I'd I'd love to know what United fans think. I'd I'd love to know what United fans think about Bruno Fernandes being the captain because I can't imagine those sort of sane thinkers amongst them would be overwhelmed, overjoyed by it. it. It's it's sort of cringy in a way seeing a player just sort of flap about, throw themselves to the ground, sprint in front of the referee's face, and then when none all of that doesn't work, just try and hack plays down instead. Um, yeah, like I said, detestable. Um, but hey, it, it worked for City, didn't it? And it, it's been pretty fun. Um, as has this show, guys. Thank you very much for joining us, listeners. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to hit follow, subscribe. We'll be back throughout the week adam will be with you tomorrow with more derby day reaction so stay tuned for that but listeners until next time it's been a pleasure we'll see you later the talk sport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year as football fans we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds however when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends we might not always feel as confident That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.